All right, Internet, hello. Happy uh, day after or week after Thanksgiving. Um, Andy looks like he gained about four pounds of Filipino turkey. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Andy, where did you go? Where did you go last week? I went up to uh, the East Bay area of San Francisco. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was in Sacramento. And yeah. so that lovely drive up the 99. Yeah. Um, it's so, so fun. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with California, um, it's, it's pretty much three states. Uh, in one there's Southern California, there's Northern California, and then Central California is just big, flat agriculture. Um, it, it could be the Midwest. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it, it is. And it's just this 250 mile grind of like crops and cows. And yeah. it's like being back home. And there's like three options or no, there's four options. You take the one one of the coast the, or the five or the 99 through the middle of the state or the, yep. or the it, we we're all about the 99. Yep. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you survived. Um, we uh, we want to say a couple of things. Number one, uh, just to get all the business out of the way, um, reminder, we have this podcast. We have, and this podcast is housed now at voxpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, the, the church podcast that we do, which is the teachings and the stories. And my goodness, the story from yesterday, we were recording on a Monday today, was was freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a young lady named Kelly, it was unbelievable. Um, that is found at voxoc.com. Mm-hmm. And um, those are more Bible-y sort of teachings. And then um, we have, we just set up, Andy, it's been a week out now, and we have like 26 people yeah. Um, who ha- are supporting us. And it's unbelievable, dude, how incredible that is. Um, we have an account at Patreon, which is a, um, a way of supporting, providing ongoing support in a Kickstarter fashion to, to projects. Yeah. And there are different levels of rewards. And um, I've been shocked at how many people are, are choosing the big, the big one. Yeah. Um, so, so if that's you, thank you. Um, and, uh, that's so unbelievably appreciated. We're just thrilled. So right. you guys are amazing. Um, anything you want to add about the details on that? Yep, absolutely. So, um, uh, today I'm going to be sending out an email to the folks that have signed up that gives them access into the Facebook group that we've started, um, access to selecting books as the incentives, nice. um, and all of that. So those emails are actually going out today. And then for those signing up ongoing, that will come out more frequently. So it this took is us November to, 28th. Yep. 2016 yeah right now uh you heard it here first just think <laughs> think about it think about this though with the internet our kids could listen to this like tw- you know 10 years from now mm-hmm. and be like man my dad was a total weirdo um <laughs> uh, he probably thinks that already but isn't that weird just I, I don't know why that occurred to me but i don't know okay that had nothing to do with it all right so <laughs> so so andy thank you for setting all that up that is outstanding and and again, we're not in this uh, to make money. Um, we we want to continue to improve, um, and so this is about resources and uh, and um, our equipment and and uh, you know particularly Andy's expertise and you know my genius. And no, I don't know. I mean, this is this is just a great way to help support the thing. Yeah, ninety eight percent of the funds go to supporting Mike's genius. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, all right. Now today, what I wanted to do is, uh, my brother. So I was just with my brother. Uh, I have a younger brother. He lives in Sacramento. Brad, thank you for hosting Thanksgiving. Um, he was telling me about a Facebook group that he's in 
that that they listen to the podcast uh, and then they discuss it oh, cool. on Facebook. Nice. And um, and, and he, he was saying that there's some uh, there's some Muslim gentlemen that are part of this. There's some folks from the gay community. Uh, it's a really eclectic group. Oh, cool. And and so he was just he was just talking about some of the stuff they talked about. I was like, dude, that's that's what Vox is supposed to be, is a conversation starter um, in relationships, right? So our our tagline is we want to talk about anything, so that because uh, people have used the the thing that encourages us most is that people will give this podcast to p- friends and family members with whom they can't have direct conversations about heart issues. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, we've had several instances of that where, where at least somebody said, yeah, we've had this huge tension in our family uh, between one Christian side of the family and this person over here. We, I, so I gave this person the podcast and that opened up a conversation and beautiful that, that if that's what's happening, we're, we're so very excited about that. Hmm. But my brother uh, texted me and he said, he said, there's some things though I've never heard you talk about uh, that our group wonders. So huh. I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. So this is the post Thanksgiving, Brad, here you go. He said, basically, we talk about how it's sad science and specifically climate change is considered a political view instead of fact. Shouldn't Christians be just as concerned with the welfare of the planet as much as they are with all the other issues? Why aren't Christians being more vocal about it, and why do they not seem to care? Lastly, why do Christians seem to non-believers to be anti-science? Um, we talk about all the issues right now with fracking, pipelines, etc., and all the other, uh, and all the other stuff. You don't hear much about it from Christians or their views. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's really interesting, and that's not a topic at all that we've discussed. Right. And this is something that um, there have been several things that that my views have been radically changed from when I first started following Jesus. My view of the environment is one of those things. And, and, and it, it also happens to be one of those things where the culture has been ahead of the church. Mm. Um, uh, there, there are times when um, culture actually leads the church to areas of concern that should be Christian, but haven't been. And the environment of, is one of those. I remember in high school, I had a buddy of mine who was uh, completely and ridiculously uh, uh, obsessed with recycling. He started recycling programs. He This was before recycling was just part of what you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all just thought, oh, this is, you know, kind of a pet project of his, kind of weird, whatever. Uh, he was so ahead of the curve. Because, and so the more I've studied the scriptures, the more I realized, boy, that is a huge moral issue that Christians have completely been silent on for two reasons, one theological and one economic. Um, and so, so first of all, I want to present the view that Christians should have, hmm. at least if they take the, the Bible seriously. Secondly, the, the reason why we haven't is there's a theological issue and there's an economic issue, at least in my mind. And again, I mean, who am I? I this is just me guessing. And, and, then, uh, and then I want to see what you think. All right, Andy Bear? Yep. So, so first of all, if you take the biblical story seriously, and, and, and seriously doesn't always mean literally. It doesn't always mean that you believe it's the inerrant word of God. I just mean if you, if you allow the Christian story the, of the scriptures to shape your orientation to the world. Then in Genesis 1, you read about a God who creates, right? Genesis 1 is this poem. It's this historical narrative poem where God is in a pattern very specifically creating. 
Um, and, uh, and then, uh, over a period of days, and there's so much debate about the days and, you know, so-and-so and so we, and those are all fascinating podcasts we can have in the future. But the, the point comes where God decides to create human beings. And so there's this very famous verse, um, in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis one, where God says, let us make, and the us, it's interesting. It's a plural there. Let us make humanity in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created humanity in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So uh, you have two huge pieces of theological information embedded in those verses. The first is, well, you have many, you actually have more than that. You two huge relative to this topic. First one is that human beings are, are made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. Now, those Hebrew words have to do with the way ancient Near Eastern kings would extend their sovereignty over their kingdoms. So if you were an ancient Near Eastern ruler and you wanted to express your rulership over an area of land, you would make an image or a likeness of yourself and place it hmm. um, in, in different regions of land to declare your sovereignty over it. Okay. The other way you would use image and likeness is that you would use them in the temple. So you would have images and likenesses of yourself as a god or a king in a temple dedicated to you. Mm -hmm. So, so there's there's thought, and I, I'm very sympathetic to this thought that what God's doing is God is fashioning a temple for God to dwell in, and that human beings are going to be the priests that serve in this temple, mm. and to be the priests. They are to be image bearers and likeness bearers. So they, 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 they represent faint echoes of what God is like, but the words themselves convey the idea that they are co-regents. They are co-rulers with God. They are representations of God's benevolence over the created world. Makes sense. He, it's almost as God, as if God delegate, delegates some authority to them, mm -hmm. because certainly God could rule and subdue way better than the humans could. Right. But He creates them as image bearers, which is a huge. It's got huge theological freight. So there's massive dignity in just simply being a human person, regardless of how efficient you are, regardless of whether or not you're, um, you you have special needs or not. Right. There's massive theological freight there. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that. Um, it's the idea that, that human beings stand in a unique relationship between God and creation. They're part of creation, and so they reflect creation back to God. But more importantly, they reflect God to creation. Mm. In other words, they're kind of, they, they, they're stand-betweeners, mm -hmm. if you will. They're mirrors where they, they're reflecting the sovereignty, the goodness, the intelligence, the purpose, the deliberateness of God's intention for creation to creation on God's behalf. Right. Okay, so, so let me take a crack at trying to make sure I got my head around that. Okay, <laughs> so uh, yeah, an interesting thought as I'm hearing it is, okay, we see this in modern day ways of 
uh, putting a flag in an area that you're claiming is right. my land. Okay, that's so good. Yeah, American good. flags all over the U.S. and different right. places. So that's and like, on the moon, on the moon, for sure. crying out loud, right? You know, versus like you go to you visit Rome nowadays and you can see all the different fashioned like idols and sure. you know all, all those things. So what or I like get, an embassy? So if you're in a foreign sure. country and you see the American flag, yeah, that's American soil. Exactly. So then and then in the ancient like the ancient Greek world, we'll say is all of the the fashioned like statues of what what, what resembled the god you know that That's kind right. of rule that right. area right. so it's so when i hear what you say about us as the if the human being is the physical imagery of of what god is like to suggest i'm putting them into the earth as a way to have dominion and it's dwelling it goes far beyond like a building in a room in a temple if i'm standing Correct. in a forest it's a way that god says nature can recognize god because of this human being in nature it is does that almost present an idea of of nat- even nature's submission to a human's um uh, uh what's what's the word that uh, that uh, that's used there um dominion like how if humans have dominion over the land both like animals and right, nature right. it suggests that there's a certain amount of submission that nature has to man's right which working. means which means two things first of all when humanity falls the earth becomes cursed too. Okay. So, so Paul makes this in Romans eight, where all of creation is in bondage, groaning, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Okay. Yeah. In other words, there yeah. is an inextricable link between the state of humanity and the state of the created order. All right. Which okay. is, which is built in from the very intention of God. Yeah. Okay. Right. That is massive. Yeah. And then the second thing I was going to say, I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, because I was making that point. No, 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 no. Because I was, I was queuing off of what you were saying. That there's the inextricable link between humanity and creation, and there was something else. So I don't remember what it was. Let me keep going, and I'll, I, okay. it will come back to me. So you're absolutely right. Um, oh, the second point was you were saying, listen, he, that nature um, ultimately should respond to human dominion. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, the, 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 the original sin was when a human being listened to a creature over the creator. So instead of having rulership over the creature, the, 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 the humans listened to the creature rather than the creator. So it was inverted. Yeah. And what God does out of that is that God curses the ground. So the ground no longer cooperates with the humans. (laughs) And um, which is so that's in Genesis right. three, Ma- making it difficult for man to therefore have provisions. So he has to work for it. Correct. By yeah. the sweat of your brow yeah. I mean, all that stuff, the woman pain in childbirth, all of that. I okay. mean, it's just absolutely genius. If you take the story serious and again, whether yeah. you think it's literal or the snake was talking or whatever, it set that all aside for a second. The theological freight being brought to the Christian story by these verses is massive. Okay. So, so there's a link between human beings and the created order. So when the human beings fall, the created, creation falls too. Mm-hmm. That's why that's the, the Christian answer to why is there like natural evil? Why are there earthquakes, tsunamis? Um, why mm-hmm. are there, uh, why are there tornadoes? Uh, it's because it, nature, nature itself is out of whack because humans were out of whack. Right. So, so, so there's, I mean, think about the implications of that for the environment, sure. right? Now, then you get to the specific words that are used. So they're to fill the earth, which which is interesting. So so 
when God creates, God fills. So the sky becomes filled with stars. The sea becomes filled with fish. The land becomes filled with animals. Now the humans are to fill the earth with humans. In other words, they're to take the initiative to create in a very small way in the same way that God created. Mm-hmm. So why do human beings, why did God institute a Sabbath rest? Because God rested. So humans are to rest. So this is part of image bearing. We create because God created. We work because God worked. We rest because God rested. Like this is part of how it's all woven together. Mm. So the first command is for human beings to fill in the same way that God filled space to fill with other human beings. The second command then is rule. And then the word is subdue. And then other words are used that are take care of it or work the ground. Now, all of these words are really, really interesting in Hebrew, and it would be an interesting podcast if anyone cares to go through each of these words, because these words not only have to do with building culture, but some of them are worship words. Hmm. They're they're words that are used of priests' work later in the story. So that, again, again, backfilling the image that God is, God is turning the earth into a temple and that, and and then Eden was the point where that temple began and, and that the human beings were to extend Eden all throughout the earth Mm. that eden was a part of the earth a section of the earth but they were to extend eden to fill the earth right and and there's thought that that's why that's where all the other people are Mm -hmm. it's not that adam and eve were the first people created or the only people created it was that they were the first people created in eden right and that and that then they would fill the earth and extend the boundaries of eden to encompass the whole earth now that's a whole different weird conversation but sure to my brother's to my brother's point, rule subdue the earth or kabosh is the is the word. It's this great Hebrew word. Um, the, uh, the those words have nothing to do with a strip mining and polluting. These are words that that have to do with as an act of worship, extending God's providence, sovereignty, care, justice, and benevolence to creation on his behalf. That's what those words have to do with. Mm -hmm. So God wasn't looking for puppets and he wasn't looking for slaves. He was looking for partners. So God was looking for cooperative participants, which has all sorts of implication for image bearers, right? So unlike the statues and unlike the idols, God created free moral agents who are rational, who have will, who have desire. God created them because that's what God's like. Okay, mm-hmm. that ties back in there. And God created them as an act of joy, worship and fulfillment for the humans, for their flourishing to to cooperatively partner with God in extending his benevolent rulership over the entire earth. Okay, so yeah. what happened is that the human beings fell from their original purpose, even though that mandate to care for the earth still exists. Now we're more interested in caring for ourselves. We're more interested in, I mean, in the, the way Paul puts it in Romans, we're more apt to worship and serve created things rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have creation no longer cooperating, right. right? No matter how good we get, we'll never be able to take away earthquakes. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, even with the mandate to take care of nature, it's like nature's still working against you because of the Correct. original curse in the fall. Correct. Right. Now, again, only if you take the Christian story sure. seriously. Right. Yeah, yeah. But to my brother's point... The implications of this are that Christians are to be the leaders in care of animals, in care of fish, yeah. in care of the sea, in care of the land, in climate change. Absolutely, we should absolutely 
absolutely be ahead of the game. We should have always been ahead of the game. We sh- we should absolutely be the folks most passionate um, about uh, about the whales that wash up on shore, about the the dolphins that get caught in nets, about the sea turtles that need to be protected. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but these conversations have been hijacked in, by political. They've been politicized, right? So that these are very seen. They're very much seen as liberal, yes. bleeding heart concerns, right? As opposed to the conservative concerns of you know let's let's just make sure business keeps running. So there are two reasons that I see. Uh, for why we and I'm 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 grouped in here have not picked up this vocation in the way that it was originally given to us. First one is this it um, and it is purely economic. We have been um, bred and born to see capitalism as a Christian right and a Christian responsibility. Mm. Socialism is a bad word. Marxism is a dirty word. Um, but uh, capitalism that you know. That is God's God is God's gift to the you know God's gift to the world. Yeah. It's kind of like the way we see democracy. We don't see democracy as the least worst option. We see democracy as like no no no. This is our divine right. Right. Well, we see capitalism the same way. And if if you are if you are not bounded by anything other than maximizing profit for shareholders, then you're not going to care about the environment. You're just not. Um, and, and unfortunately, um, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, um, we as uh, Western evangelical Christians have more often christened the values of American culture rather than challenge them. Mm-hmm. So, so if individualism is one of the, the things we've, we've certainly christened that, christened that in Christian terms, but, but I would also say the value of profit over everything else. And so whether we're, whether we're working in sweatshops, um, whether we're, uh, you know, we're, we're getting coffee from, um, migrant workers, whether we are, I mean, all of that stuff. And it's so big because the economy is so entangled. It's almost just easier to go to Walmart and buy, or go to Costco for me and buy shorts. Right. Yeah. I don't care where they're made. I don't have time to research it. It's too much for me. Right. The culture of convenience. Totally. Culture of convenience and price. Yeah. And, uh, because we're, because it's a culture of consumerism, I'm taught from the earliest, the, my, that my earliest memories, you you look for something that gives you the best, the best deal at the smallest price, hmm. and that's what the consumer is, right? Mm-hmm. The greatest benefit with the smallest risk or smallest cost, and so so we do this with relationships. We do that. I mean, we do this with everything. So so my point is, when it comes to Christians standing up to unfettered economic profit. Um, uh, many of us just are, you know, we're worried about the stock market too. Yeah. We, we want, we want our investments to do well too. We got our 401ks as well. You know, do we really want to raise all that noise? Now that's not all of us, but that's some of us. Yeah. Um, but the second one, and this is the bigger one. Hmm. The second one has to do with, we have been told a false story about the earth and um and so this this is actually we're for our, for our little church for christmas we're studying hell and so there's going to be some overlap um on what i'm going to talk about now and what we talked about uh yesterday and um but but here here is oh andy can you put the diagrams up sure you know the diagrams you did yeah, for me yeah, yeah put those up in the show notes okay uh cuz i think they'll be really helpful okay so so the standard christian story can you do that? Yeah, I got away. 
You got a way? Yeah. You always have a way. <laughs> um, the standard Christian story is this. We live on earth, and then there's judgment coming. And um, that judgment is based on, you know, how good you were, or did you know the, the name of Jesus, and can you say it, and the multiple choice test at the pearly gates, or whatever it is. And then the result of that judgment is one of two destinations. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. Mm-hmm. Now, once the earth, the, the earth only matters until judgment. And then the earth on this view is, is just burned up. The, we're, we're spending forever in heaven or we're spending forever in hell. The earth right. is no longer an issue. Okay. Um, and so, so many, many for generations, people have taught about the environment. Listen, what matters most is saving souls, getting them into heaven. The earth is going to burn. It's like rearranging, you know, deck chairs on the Titanic. It, it's irrelevant. Okay, yeah. great. Great. Yes, let's care for dolphins and let's care for turtles. But what's of infinite, more infinite importance is whether or not the soul next to you is going to spend eternity with God or eternity in hell. Right. Right. That That's the standard Christian story. Right. And the earth only plays a part now. Mm-hmm. That, however, is not the biblical story, not even close to the biblical story. And if you read the Gospels of Jesus, it's never the story Jesus tells. Not once, not ever. Mm -hmm. Never did Jesus look at somebody and say, hey, do you know where you're going to go if you die tonight? Not once did Jesus ever threaten hell to non-believers. He only talked about hell to covenant people, which is fascinating. We'll talk about that down the road. Um, but but So that's diagram one. So diagram one is showing a picture of the earth in which then judgment takes place and suggests that there's only two new locations in which you end up, which is either heaven or hell. Correct. Okay. That's it. Great. Diagram number two. Yes. Is it open. Diagram number two begins with the union of heaven and earth. And, um, and, and you get that from passages like Genesis one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, Genesis two, um, uh, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. Mm-hmm. Um, Genesis two, four, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they mm-hmm. were created. Okay. Well, one quick question about that. Cause we got this in our Q and a yesterday. What? Cause, uh, someone asked like where there's a, a late later references of the use of heaven. Is it the, is it the exact same reference as God's creation of heavens yeah. and earth? Like, yep. is that, are those the same or are they? Well, there's nuance. Okay. So right. you have so you so the standard Jewish view, from what I understand, is that there were three heavens. So heavens can mean the air around you. Mm-hmm. Heavens can mean space, or heavens. The, sometimes the highest heavens can be the place where God dwells. Okay. And intersects with the earth. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, it becomes nuanced, but no, it's never heaven. It's never it's never singular. It's always okay. heavens. Okay. All right. So so Jesus will talk about the kingdom of the heavens. Um, rather than the kingdom of heaven, but that's mm. a man. There's so so many rabbit trails here. Great. Okay. okay. So the first point I was making is that um, when you when you start the biblical story, heaven and hell, hell's not mentioned even remotely. Um, it's the hell isn't the counterpart of heaven. Earth is. So this is from Joshua Ryan Butler. He makes this great point in one of his books. That never heaven and hell are never mentioned together. It's always heaven and earth. Mm. So if you want the counter, the, the the counterpart of heaven is earth, not hell. Okay? So just start there. Yeah. Now, then you have the teaching in early in Genesis of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, who knows what 
the freaking heck that means. Except it means this, that heaven and earth were joined in ways they're not currently. Mm-hmm. Okay? So so the, the second diagram starts with the union of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are together. They're interlocked. They intersect. They're, 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 they're united. Because here's God creating the heavens and the earth, but he's dwelling on the earth with human beings. Hmm. Okay, now, so that's step, kind of step one. Step okay. two is the, the fall, which we've already referenced. The entrance of sin and death, the entrance of, of, of fear and blame and guilt, the entrance of all of those things as a result in Genesis 3 through 11, of the entrance of murder, the entrance of selfishness, of sin, of rebellion, all of that stuff uh, is inserted. It's an intruder into God's good world. And as a result, heaven and earth are now spoken of as separated in a weird way, um, as interlocking and intersecting still. But now God doesn't dwell the way he dwelt before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have passages like Psalm 115, which says, uh, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to man. Mm-hmm. Or you have Jesus saying something like, you know, uh, pray so that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So heaven being the place where God's will is done, earth being the place where other wills are done. Right. Right. So so now there's some distinction, mm-hmm. right? There's some rupture. Maybe that's the best word. Yeah. There's a fracture. To, it, it may, it's like to me, I'm thinking like, is it because we think of the spiritual realm as divided from the physical realm? Right. And like that we, is totally never, wrong. Right. And it's, but totally it's, it's interesting in the previous reference of God walking and dwelling among it. It seems like a picture of both in simultaneous. Yes. Union. Yeah. Yeah. Union. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. Okay. So that's interesting to me. Okay. So now you have this, now you have this, this rupture that happens and, and uh, we, I go into all sorts of texts. Um, in the teaching about, okay, well, here are just examples of how it's talked about. God's ruling from the heavens and he judges the earth. I mean, there's this separation now. Uh, then, then there's judgment, okay? And that judgment is spoken of uh, in this really convoluted passage in Second Peter. Now, again, I recommend you get the teaching from Vox Podcast. Um, no, 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 Vox Community. Get the teaching from Vox Community from November twenty seventh. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll drop a link in the show notes on this. Boom. Too. So this yeah. gets into this is I'm, I'm redoing the teaching a little bit here, um, but it, it's totally relevant to the environment question because if you live according to envir- to diagram one, the standard Christian story is, hey, all we're doing is getting evacuated out of here. The Earth's going to burn. Mm-hmm. Then you don't care about the environment. All you care about are saving souls. Yeah. But that's not the biblical story. The biblical story is the earth begins um, united with the heavens. Um, there's a rupture there. And then there's judgment. And, and Peter talks about this. And he talks about the earth and the, uh, the elements of the earth being destroyed by fire um, and its elements being laid bare. And this is a little technical. But when it talks about destroyed by fire, Immediately, that word destroyed is used immediately before this reference to reference the flood of Noah in Genesis, where God doesn't destroy the earth, but he purifies the earth from all evil. Mm -hmm. And so destroyed there doesn't mean annihilated and start over. It means purified. And so the fire, the judgment that God does is he purifies the earth from what? Well, from everything that's intruding in on uh that was never meant to be here right all of the evil and the suffering and the all of that 
And, um, and then it says, the earth will be destroyed by fire, which I read is purified, and its elements will be laid bare. The word laid bare means, is the word that we use to get the word eureka. And it's a word that means to discover what was there all along, but it was hidden. In other words, the judgment that's spoken of in the Bible isn't a, isn't a destructive judgment. It's a purative judgment. It, it purifies and it reveals what's really true, what's really good, what's really right, what's really righteous, what's really pure, right? And the reason that judgment is good news is because the last, one of the last images of the Bible is um, uh, an image that's first found in Isaiah that Peter references, but is pulled through into Revelation, where John sees a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven, a, a holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, and God now residing on earth with human beings, which is the reunification of heaven and earth. All right, mm -hmm. so, so here's the, the plot. The plot is heaven and earth were united. Heaven and earth have been ruptured because of the fall. A judgment is coming that will purge evil out of God's good world. And res the result will be a new heavens and new earth. And there are two Greek words for new. One means new as in starting over. And the other means new as an upgrade. And new as an upgrade is the word that's used there. In other words, this is earth 2.0, mm -hmm. right? And so we don't live in heaven forever. Heaven... Uh, is actually just the first step in a round trip journey where we spend forever is here. And what do we do? Well, Paul tells us we've got resurrected bodies, transfigured bodies. Fantastic. So we'll still be human beings doing human things mm. on an, a renewed earth f with God walking among his people. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. there you go. That's the biblical story. Yeah. Now, in that telling of the biblical story, the earth is central. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the thing isn't just going to burn up. It's not going to be thrown away. The idea is that everything that you do that is good carries forward into the new earth. Right? That the so the fire that purifies is the fire that gets rid of the junk, but all that is good and Paul uses this image in 1 Corinthians, all that is good carries forward. So all the care that we have about the earth, all of that carries forward into the new heavens and the new earth. See, we make the story, the first diagram is the story about the human soul. What happens to the human soul after you die? Jesus never talked about that. Not once did he talk about that. He talked about, he used standard images of like Lazarus being in a, in a, in a flaming abyss uh, because he treated a, a poor man poorly. Um, he uses stock images, but he never, ever, ever walked around saying, hey, do you know where you'll go when you die? He, he, his deal was, listen, the kingdom of God is now available to you right here and right now in my presence. Will you turn from all other allegiances and put trust in this? Mm -hmm. That was his invitation. Yeah, We've turned it into something far more different. Now, what Jesus then would then invite people into is a process of something called discipleship, where we begin to align ourselves with the movement of God in the world. And part of the movement of God in the world is fulfilling the original mandate he gave to humans originally that has been reinforced multiple times, most specifically after the flood, where God says, nope, your job is to care uh, for the earth, to extend the boundaries of Eden, to even though Eden, you know, is this thing now that because of the, the fracture and the fall that we can't ever get back to, 
to extend the boundaries of God's benevolent rulership. That we don't just care about money. We don't just care about profit. We don't just care about convenience. That there's something more as God cares for his. And there's a fascinating, there's a fascinating theology of how, how God treats animals throughout the biblical story. There's one part in specifically where he is demanding the protection of animals um, throughout different judgments he's making. And so it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I hear the pushback from conservatives. Well, that's just a liberal cause. And the fact that we've made a political issue shows everything we've been talking about with Jesus and politics, namely that we've made politics and our allegiance to politics and our passions about politics way more important than our discipleship to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, immigration Love of neighbor, those aren't political issues. Those are Jesus issues. Um, uh, uh, creation care, that's not a liberal issue. That's a Jesus issue. Mm-hmm. The, the, the inviting people to be rescued um, uh, out of the slavery to self into um, the, 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 the grand freedom of following Jesus, that's, that's not a political issue. That's a Jesus issue, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just end of story. So to my brother, I would simply say this. Because the church has taught a truncated or sometimes false view of the story, we've rendered the earth meaningless mm-hmm. um, because there's no future for it. Um, and, uh, and the story really is just about human souls. Thankfully, the biblical story is about the cosmos. It's about the universe. It's about what God is doing everywhere. And so many of the promises that we look at in the teaching have to do with all things being united together in heaven and on earth again. Mm. So, so there's, the uni- there's the union of heaven and earth, the separation or rupture of heaven and earth, and then the reconciliation of heaven and earth. Humans are a huge part of that because of our place as image bearers. Yeah. That is why we care. Wow. Now... When it comes to fracking, when it comes to gas, when it comes to the Dakota pipelines, some of this stuff I feel like is above my pay grade. But I would say this. It seems as if Christians should always start from the place of we don't touch it. We don't touch it. We got to get creative other ways. We don't touch it. And then be convinced that it's in the best interest of our neighbor and or creation itself to touch it. Um, but that should be our starting place. Our starting place should not be, well, you know, it's sitting there, so let's use it. Our economy needs it. We don't want to be dependent on foreign oil. Da, 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 da. Nope. It seems like the theological place is to say, well, don't touch it. If these animals are endangered, let's protect them. Right? If 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 we're seeing our policies are changing with the weather patterns throughout the world, we gotta change them. Mm-hmm. So and 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 the one last thing I would say, I know I'm rambling. I hope it's good. Andy's a good. Yeah, that's good. I, okay. I'm waiting for you to kind of go where you're going. I have some thoughts, but go ahead. <clears throat> I've got one last. Yeah. W- go where I'm going. Yeah. And, and that is that is like the whole climate change thing. I'm not a scientist. I don't know a scientist. Um, <laughs> not a single one. Not and I, I maybe I do. All these years of church, and we know no scientists. That's see, isn't that funny? <laughs> isn't that funny? Right. Oh, that's because funny. we are perceived as anti-science. Yeah. Um, but there is this, there is this, I've just seen it in some brands of, or some circles of, of Christianity, this conspiracy theory thing where it's like climate change is a host or hoax, excuse me, not a host. Uh, it's a hoax pervade by the liberal media. 
I don't know to what end, maybe to stifle business or something, but there is this conspiracy theory kind of thing. Yeah. And you just want to go, ah, okay. Um, even, even if that were true, even if it were total hoax, shouldn't we still be the people leading the charge for, we shouldn't, we should reduce pollution like automatically. Shouldn't we be the people pushing for like massive, um, uh, rethinkings of fuels and fossil right. fuels and right. I mean, right. you would think it all even if we're all human flourishing, even if it were all all a hoax. Yeah, um, we want to promote flourishing wherever it's found. God shalom wherever we can promote it. We want to we want to find it there. Okay, go ahead, Andy Bear. Um, I can hear like the. I'm not asking you to combat this either. I think it's just the the dynamic end of even imagining um, a new eternal earth in which it's, it becomes um, the rejoining of, of the heavens and the earth. It's hard because in my mind, I keep hearing the science of like stars die, you know, therefore our galaxy is, you know, perpetually doomed, so to speak. Like it's like the, But but what's the curse, Andy, what's the curse? The wages of sin is death, right? So what's, so the curse is humans die. Yeah. That creation, if if untouched, will run itself out. Right. 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 I mean that that it's not sure. it's not eternal. Yeah. So so what's new? What's the removal of death? Right. Life. Right. It's yeah. the removal of death, and and in the Bible, it's the removal of death and removal of suffering. Sure. And, and I, I I I mean I get the 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 hypothetical imagination of the science thing with it. It's kind of like, well, then ultimately God could, could easily make a new earth. I mean, we look around at like the millions of, of planets and everything that's out there based on sure. what we know about the cosmos. So it's, it's not to say like we're going to transport to a different earth that's already out there and Correct. whatever. So, Correct. I mean, it, I'm not answering anything. It's, it's just, this earth just 2.0. yeah, it's just, it's interesting to, to like, live in the argument of like, well, this earth will be renewed and right. won't be destroyed. And even then it's just like, well, it, it guess it could be. And then it's, but the, but it's fascinating around the science of black holes and just like time space continuum in black holes where it's, it's, it's so crazy fascinating. And there's really no like tangible, like, what does that actually mean for seismic an eternal Mike. existence? Seismic Mike like has all, nothing on this. Yeah, it's all that's all out there. I, I think I'd be curious, but it's that. Anyways, I'm just thinking about that stuff. It's like it, I can see throwing this argument even into the the scientific debate set thing. It's like yeah, but it's like that makes it, it that argument does not work if we look at what what the universe is doing. All, but that's a, a universe without a god, and that's a universe without a god that could that can shape it to do whatever he wants no, it to do. No, no, no. It's a universe no. that's cur- it's a universe under bondage. It's a universe under the curse of death. Okay. So so okay. Yeah. That so again, I'm yeah. not a scientist nor the son of one. Right. And uh, and so so you know I I have no doubt the science is fascinating on this. Yeah. To me, we shouldn't be anti-science. Um, for for the very reason that the more we learn, the more worship bubbles up, right? I yeah, mean, you just are absolutely. like, that, man, when, you, when you're looking at deep space through the Hubble telescope, is that, for those whose hearts are open to God, that does nothing but call out awe and wonder and, yeah. and, and mystery and, and beauty. You know, when you when you study, study strings theory and quarks and black holes, I mean, you're just like, this is infinitely complex and yeah. infinitely majestic. And, um, but it all sits under a curse, the curse of death, the curse of extinction, the curse of, you know, of, of heat death somewhere, you know, billions of years from now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, the interesting biblical problem is, um, okay, well, what do you do 
when the image bearers that you design to create and care for the earth become part of the problem. Mm -hmm. How do you rescue the image bearers and restore them to their image bearing? Right? How do you, so, so that's the conundrum of, okay, if God's going to purge evil from the world and every human heart is bent towards evil in some way, shape or form, well, then you've just lost humanity. So the cosmic rescue operation in Jesus, yes, concerns individuals, but it's also cosmic in scope. And that's the tension we try to hold is Mm -hmm. that on the one hand, yes, the people that care about what happens when you die. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. But, but it's bigger than that. And it's more beautiful than that. And, and so why are we, why are we considered anti-science? Well, (laughs) um, so many reasons. Um, we're conspiracy theorists. We say everything. We 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 see everything as the work of uh, godless atheists, and so those godless atheists say, you know, that the Earth is uh, eight billion years old or twenty billion years old. Well, then you know they've got to be lying because Genesis says, you know, that it's uh, four thousand years old or whatever. And you yeah. realize, oh well, we've been reading Genesis wrong, actually. Um, you know, it, it's just it, it's they've been, and it's so it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous the way they've been set opposite each other. Yeah, I'm opposed to naturalism, which is the understanding of the universe where there is no God. I'm the I'm a theist. I believe in God. Um, I think God's fingerprints are all over the place. So I I but I'm not anti science. I'm uh, and I'm not anti and anti atheistic science. I'm just anti the story that says uh, the Carl Sagan story. The universe is, was, and always will be. Right? It's just that's all there is and all there ever will be. I just don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for reasons we've talked about. Mm, yeah. So anyway, holy cow, Andy, what's our time? Oh, 45. Oh, okay. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, we're studying hell. And and for Christmas, which I just think is hilarious. Um, and so that was part of what we were talking about yesterday. But I thought it was really relevant because my, my, my 11-year-old little girl, Hannah, she asked me the other day, it, same, same topic. She's like, uh, she said, uh, why should we be good? Why should we do good things if we just go to heaven when we die? Yeah. Like, wh- why why do anything that's good? Right? If, you, if that's already taken care of, why do anything that's good? And there's so many answers um, to that question. Uh, but one of them is, well, because the good carries forward. The good carries forward. It's not just thrown away, right? It's not just the, the, the wells that you make and the, the, the people that are fed. I mean, that just that, that isn't thrown away. It's not like God just says, well, you know, I'm starting the whole thing over. It's an upgrade. Uh, it's an upgrade. And so so I don't know how it's carried forward. I don't know in what manner it is. I just know that that Jesus, Paul, and the New Testament are so clear that what we're doing here, if it is of God and aligned with God's purposes, pushes forward into, uh, into the new creation. And, and then there's this really weird verse in that second Peter passage where it talks about the possibility that you can speed up the day of God's coming. <laughs> like it literally, it literally says that it talks about the, the coming of the Lord and working to speed its coming. And I have no idea what that means. Mm. I just think it's so fascinating. Mm. So all that is to say, it, it, so, so my point yesterday was if, if you don't get heaven and earth, right, you don't get hell, right. Yeah. But, but my point today is if you don't get heaven and earth, right, you don't get the environment, right. You don't get the earth, right. Right. Mm, I mean, you, yeah. you, you just think it's it's the Titanic. The things the whole thing's going to burn. So who cares? That's not the picture we get. Mm. 
So if you want more, go to that teaching. They'll give you a little more Bible if you're interested in that. Otherwise, would love your thoughts. Oh my goodness, Brad and Facebook group and anyone else listening to this would love your thoughts about this stuff. Yeah. All right? All right. Any other thoughts, Andy Bear? No, that's it. All right. Uh, brothers and sisters, what, what episode is this? Do you know? I lost count. Okay. Five, six. All right. So whatever your age is. Um, <laughs> so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and may he in, this day, in these days give you peace. We are so honored to be part of your life, whether you're driving, working out, you've fallen asleep, um, you've fallen down and you can't get up. Whatever that is, we are thrilled to be a part of your life and, uh, and drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast and now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.